Hi there and a very warm welcome to Bergos Now. This week I'm quite excited to have a special guest and special topic here with me, René Bolha. Hi René, welcome. Hello. Um, René, well, for the first time on this podcast in this format, I invited you to speak about a topic that is at the moment, well, I would say not only a buzzword, surely that is true, but it is incredibly timely, it is very important and um, yeah, we want to do some groundwork here in this moment and talk to you about ESG. To start this, would you be kind enough to just simply relate to us what that abbreviation stands for? What is ESG? Sure. Indeed, ESG is an abbreviation summarizing a lot of different aspects and features that basically all have to do with the three underlying components, environmental, E, mm -hmm. social, S, and governance, G. Okay. Well, the first category, environmental, has caught attention already for a long time, and the scope is easy to understand. The latter two might deserve some more explanation, as most people are not too familiar with the interdependencies and what it actually includes. Okay, absolutely. So envir environmental concerns include basically all factors that have a direct or indirect impact on the environment. From the most obvious area of climate change over resource management, water scarcity and so on and so forth. Direct and indirect is important as many people do not really grasp the whole entirety. But let's make it more concrete. You want to get a new car okay. and you are not sure if you want to have a conventional combustion engine car or an electric vehicle because you see so many Teslas and, and electric vehicles currently. Yeah. Um, but a, a friend of yours told you that combining all the factors that have to, have to put in to produce a car um, makes electric vehicles not so green anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. this, is, this is actually a good point because if you look at the production of a car itself, It looks as if with all the ingredients, with all the parts, with all the components you need for an electric vehicle, um, that the electric vehicle is indeed less green than a normal car. Yeah. You need rare earth from somewhere in the world that have to be extracted sure. first, pro sure. processed, um, shipped, and so on and so forth. But this is only one level. The second level, of course, is, um, as I said, what do you need for a production? And the third level, once you ride the car, once you have it, um, how much cost do you have and how much energy do you need sure. uh, while using that that component? And also, the... I would imagine, where does the energy come from? Exactly. So it's not just one input factor. It's actually from the cradle to the gate, as it's called. Um, you have to consider that. Okay. The second component, the social component, is already somehow a bit further away from investors' minds. Here we talk about all the aspects that have a social like link, like labor rights, for example, the question mm. of child or forced labor, especially in emerging markets, yeah. um, but also diversity concerns, whether mm. it's age-related, nationality, or gender, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and more general things like non-discrimination or fair treatment of the employees. Of course, yes. And the last factor for us already a long time a major consideration in our single security selection is the area of governance. So basically how corporates are managed and controlled. That means questions regarding the board of directors, their expertise, how they are um, elected, how often, um, but also more company-centered approaches when it comes to fraud, corruption or bribery. Right. And we're looking there, sorry if I if I may interrupt you there for a second, we're looking there holistically also on the governance of, let's say, countries, states, or is this really for... Exactly. Okay. So this is kind of a differentiator. 
you have to apply different like perspectives whether you look at equities or fixed income within the fixed income space also whether you look at sovereigns or corporates gotcha okay so you just sort of nonchalantly said we've been doing this for a long time so i know that this has of course been a factor and or maybe aspects of this not under this umbrella expression have influenced the work you do on a ba mm. daily basis pardon, for a while but at the moment it seems particularly timely it's it's sort of at the forefront of a many mm -hmm. discussions we're having a bit more publicly too maybe why is this so important now or maybe to ask more specifically why is it suddenly so important mm. well some factors are obvious and we frequently get a reminder of that every now and then uh, and the corona crisis sure. in the like perception of many people is some kind of an environmental thing right yeah um, if you switch on the TV or read the, the daily news, you you often see examples of environmental um, um, yeah issues like floods or droughts somewhere in developing countries, mm -hmm. like um, uh, wildfires in Australia, cyclones, and so on and so forth. But this um, oftentimes seems seem far away. Mm -hmm. But if you go closer, if you look at at Europe, for example, one of the major um, means of transportation is, for example, also the, the shipping industry on rivers like the Rhine. Of course, yeah. And uh, in the past, we often heard of high water. Uh, I used to grow up in such an area. We had that every now and then. Yeah. But in the most recent years, we more and more hear of too low water so mm. that the ships mm. cannot bring the necessary parts and, and um, uh, inputs to the production mm -hmm. facilities. Mm -hmm. So this is also a direct impact of um, the environmental change that we are seeing. And um, the feeling that you get from, from, from this news is also mirrored in many polls. So in the most recent poll of the World Economic Forum, of the 10 most um, pressing issues or most um, uh, severe risks, um, most of them are actually ESG risks. And indeed, most yeah. of them are envi uh, environmental risks like loss of biodiversity, sure. climate change, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, people um, hence get more and more aware of this pressing issue, issues like greenhouse gas emissions, rising temperatures, decreasing snow and ice masses, and hence also rising uh, sea levels. And uh, maybe to visualize how, how these factors um, depend on each other or kind of um, yeah, support each other, um, imagine you have... Uh, rising temperatures somewhere in Africa or the Arab region mm -hmm. that supports desertification. That means in the next step might ultimately lead to droughts and uh, crop failures. Sure. This can cause like um, starvation in the in the in the uh, population. There is not enough food. This again can cause um, social unrest mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So. Um, once one thing um, goes in the wrong direction, it can like start a whole cascade, yeah. um, which in the end um, uh, leaves everyone uh, worse off than before. Of course, triggering. Yeah. 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 And uh, so on a global perspective, we have a dual challenge of, of on the one hand, in, um, dealing with increasing demands for energy or food for the growing population. And then on the other hand, to kind of limit the impact that we already caused on, on the planet, um, we have to increase our uh, efforts on efficiency and resource management. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the cost of dealing with these issues to kind of tackle these issues is estimated to be much lower than the cost that will ultimately 
um, arise um, through this um, climate change. Through the damages it causes. Yeah. Yes, of course, I understand. And at the same time, the awareness for this topic is also rising on sovereign level and corporate level. I mean, in the most recent weeks, we had a lot of like news um, from countries like China, the US since the Biden administration yeah. uh, took over, Germany, UK, who all pledged to, to commit to the uh, Paris Agreement uh, goals to reduce carbon emissions significantly yeah. by 2030 or 2050. Yes, yeah. And also corporates, um, they are uh, more and more transparent on this issue, more and more putting effort in getting more efficient, replacing um, their uh, product shelf. If you think, for example, of uh, tobacco companies or mm -hmm. um, oil companies, this is, if you will, um, like an old industry and mm -hmm. going forward with all this solar plants and renewable energy, this is probably um, a sector that is that is decreasing decreasing in in um, in importance mm -hmm. in investors' minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in addition, you have um, basically four additional factors that are promoting this development. The one is regulation, mm -hmm. which is of course kind of a consequence of what we are seeing in the world. And what I would have already touched upon, the sovereigns are um, reacting. Of course, yes. Uh, and there you have a lot of frameworks, initiatives, UN Global Compact, UN uh, um, Sustainable Development Goals, and so on and so forth. Then you have data availability. There is more and more data that is, meanwhile, also um, uh, better prepared or, or you can use it better, meanwhile. Um, there are um, more and more measurable and investable targets for investors. And um, no, last but not least, also, um, we have the conviction that there are um, diversification performance um, benefits from, from uh, considering ESG aspects in uh, investment selection. In your portfolio, mm -hmm. I understand. So all of these factors that you just named, René, they seem to me just sort of instinctively like data availability, um, mm. measurable and investable targets, performance, um, investment solutions, of course. All of that seems to be a topic that is not brand new, right? This this sounds mm. to me like this has been around for a while. Why did this have to evolve? Mm. As I said, I mean, in the last 15, 20 years, there were a lot of new initiatives and frameworks being developed. And um a common understanding of this had yet to be developed in investors' minds or in, in the public um, perception. Yeah. And uh, in the past, there was also um, quite a lot of flexibility for companies, what they report and how they report. Okay. So the comparability of this data was not always given. Um, with yeah. more and more awareness by investors, by the public, mm -hmm. Um, the companies also kind of aligned their um, documentation or reporting um, efforts. So, so this um, clearly helps us in making um, sound decisions uh, in this regards. Gotcha, yeah. Um, targets, well, of course, you can say uh, we want to leave a, po a um, positive impact on, on the earth, but how do you measure impact I mean, yeah, it's difficult yeah. to say impact is a return of 2% or 5% or 8%. It's, it's simply a different dimension. Yeah. So also here, um, we as investors had to um, develop a, like a common understanding what we mean with that and how mm -hmm. we do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, last but not least, in, in the beginning when, when ESG or back then it was more called like corporate social responsibility yeah, from, invest that, from, from company mm -hmm. side, mm -hmm. um, 
there was always a question if ESG is really beneficial for your performance or detrimental. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, studies show that at least it's not detrimental. So mm -hmm. even if you consider ESG, you're not worse off than um, not considering. But there is reason to believe then uh, that um, if you look, for example, at the diesel scandal from, from Volkswagen or other cases in, in the most recent past, um, that, that you indeed have a benefit um, by well, considering ESG factors in your analysis. Got it. Okay, lots going on around ESG. Gotcha. Um, taking this a little bit more to the concrete, René, if you wouldn't mind. So what implications do you see at this moment for individuals? And of course, and this is important for this format of this podcast, what should one have in mind? What implications do you see when investing? Hmm. I mean, for you and me as, as an individual person, we already see the first like uh, outcomes or developments from that. Plastic straws are getting or are forbidden. Meanwhile, you don't get uh, uh, plastic cutlery in, in the restaurant or in the takeaway anymore. Things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. um, there are more and more frameworks. Uh, I mentioned the UN Global Compact or um, the Sustainable Development Goals um, before, uh, which are more you can you can better grasp the, the, the goals and what to do with that. Mm -hmm. So this gives, um, of course, a good direction and good guidance. Um, and the companies, as I said, are all also becoming more and more um, greener, if you will. Um, they are aware of that. I mentioned that uh, tobacco industry or oil companies are changing what they actually offer, how they produce, but also what they offer in the market. Mm. Uh, and this uh, has an impact on our um, everyday life. When it comes to um, investing, mm, Uh, it's a bit different because some asset classes have already a longer history of considering ESG factors. Mainly the listed equity space is uh, is for a long time already considering uh, more or less the, the ESG criteria. Especially the factor of governance, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning, um, is of particular interest, uh, not only the last uh, two years since, since Corona or before, but already for a long time. But... Uh, in the past, it for for most of the investors, it was kind of usual to just look at um, financial data of the companies, like sales earnings, mm. um, things like that, yeah. or economic data, GDP growth, inflation, interest rates. Um, meanwhile, there are more non-financial or um, how they're called extra financial uh, information, which is the ESG data we can incorporate in our analysis. That is, for example, carbon emission or yeah. resource management and so on and so forth, which um, also uh, help you to, to, to better analyze the companies and come to a better conclusion. Um, having said that, it's not about um, applying moral or ethical standards and evaluation because everyone has a different like understanding or interpretation of that sure. but it's more about anticipating how esg related information could eventually materialize and have an impact on uh, the performance of the securities held esg investing itself can be further distinguished with regard to the applied approaches or how deep your approach is Starting from an alignment approach where the portfolio is matched with ethical or political values through integration um, up to uh, impact investing uh, with, a, with a goal to achieve measurable impact in the world 
alongside a financial return. Gotcha. And also impact investing, uh, there are again like sub-differentiators if you have impact first or financial first. Mm -hmm. So it's a very diverse um, um, yeah, set of, of, of approaches of, of shades of green, as I said. And um, well, within the the, the ESG um, spectrum, you can you can actually um, also distinguish between subcomponents. Responsible investing is the starting point, going to sustainable investment, and the the most uh, like extreme approach is of course philanthropic investment, where the financial outcome has almost no meaning anymore. It's just about leaving. Um, a positive impact on the world. Gotcha. Okay. Such an interesting topic, René. So does that mean that you can apply ESG or ESG factors on all asset classes? Some asset classes classes are indeed better suited for applying ESG criteria. If you uh, think of the, e the listed equity, as I said before, um, whereas others, uh, it's a bit more... Um, Difficult. This can also be seen in, let's say, the penetration of the asset classes. Equities mm -hmm. in, in the Europe space, so um, almost 50% of the uh, responsibly invested assets in Europe are uh, in, in listed equity, um, 35 to 40% in fixed income and listed fixed income. And the rest is divided among uh, like infrastructure, private uh, private um, private equity. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more difficult um, for hedge funds and commodities for obvious reasons. I mean, commodities with all the extraction and so on and so forth, it is more sensitive to environmental factors, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And when it comes to hedge funds, um, it's less mature as the nature of hedge funds lives from from um, flexibility and unconstrained investment approaches and and there also the, the the penetration or the maturation is not yet uh, where it is in other asset classes but um, in in general you can say yes you you can consider ESG criteria um, in all asset classes to some extent at least Fantastic. René, I think this is only scratching the surface and it is sort of an episode that presents the tip of a rather large iceberg. Um, I really hope you come back and I can promise you, dear listeners, that we will dive deeper into this topic and look at certain factors of ESG in greater detail in episodes to come. René, for today, thank you so much for being here. It was tremendously interesting. Thank you for having me. And we thank you as always very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this sort of intro episode into ESG and the possibilities it offers for investors. We are looking forward to the next episode of Bergos now next week on Friday. And until then, I wish you, as always, a wonderful weekend and a successful week. Bye-bye. <laughs>